Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Jizz Talking for a Sunday, a rather unique show as we're not going to just be uh, specifically talking to one person, we're going to be talking to several people who know how to put pen to paper, as you might say, and that wouldn't be me because I, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're going to talk all about authors tonight and it's going to be uh, an interesting show, kind of a theme show is what I would call it because the theme is authors. Uh, many, many times, and as, as the people can explain who our guests are going to be, uh, you want to tell this fantastic story of your life and how you got from point A to point Z, and the best thing to do is write it in a book. And we have the wonderful Kathy Brown with us. Kathy, how are we doing today? I'll get you unmuted here. Yep. I says I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was kind of a, I, if, if anything is a brainchild, this is your brainchild. You said, Pat, why don't we talk about authors some night? I said, why don't we talk about authors some night? And you said, okay. <laughs> and so anyway, you have just written a book and yes. um, you have several books. Uh, so before we get into the books thing, I do want to cover something real quick. We had crazy winter nights in Kearney, Nebraska this past weekend with ASN and many, many, many others. And Bex Pineapples with us. Uh, give us a, about a two-minute rundown of what happened this weekend in Kearney, Nebraska. Um, honestly, it was a great event. We met some amazing people, a lot of good vendors that I hadn't ever met before, hadn't even heard about. So that was great being able to tap into that Midwest area that, you know, where there's 10 miles of cornfield and then a house, 10 miles of cornfield and then a house, right? So um, the fact that there's a good size event, you know, there where vendors can come and, you know, join together and kind of collaborate. And I, I think it's great. Um, even though we, we had some blowing snow when we landed, and I'm pretty sure that I almost put out my eye with a trunk lid. But other than that, mm. it was great. All right. Other well, than I, that. We, sent, uh, we sent Tim uh, over. And, and now how did Tim... Uh, Tim Cartwright like everything over there. It, from what I can tell, he was having himself a good old time. Of course, he, I think he got to meet Nasi, and, you know, she's great. Um, our six-foot-six um, new Swedish brand ambassador um, who actually lives in Germany. So um, for right now, she's Europe, you know, right, brand right. ambassador. And uh, they were all having a blast with her taking pictures because with her – foot tall platform stilettos on she's like seven six seven seven i think her leg went over miss amanda's shoulder and she was still like a foot above cole like way of and cole's not a short guy wow and wow. so there's some funny pictures yep yep i was curious how uh how tim's wife liked everything did you get to talk to her and <clears throat> um, yeah I briefly got to talk to her. Honestly, I stayed so busy that um, I was talking to so many different people that they both seemed really, really sweet. I look forward to seeing them in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, well, she won't be there, but Tim will be, and he's my roommate for the oh, uh, weekend. But, um, but anyway. Party time. Uh, Party time. Yeah, it will be. All right. Well, Bex, thank you so much for cluing us in on the, the weekend. I knew I wanted to talk a little bit about that before we got into anything else, and uh, so I'm glad you're here with us. So appreciate that. So, so Kathy, let's go back to Kathy Brown here. Kathy, you started out uh, writing books uh, long before this last one you just released. Give, can you kind of give us a rundown of your history of the, the book writing uh, process for you? Sure. Uh, probably the most well-known one is Raw Talents that I helped Jerry Butler write along with Robert Rimmer. And uh, so that was uh, his biography that came out, I guess it was like 1988. And all the while I've been a writer doing my own stuff, doing fiction. And, and uh, I wrote in the adult industry. I did interviews and screenplays. And all the while I've been writing fiction. So this book that just came out is called Cry of Silence. And uh, I wrote it 40 years ago, couldn't get it published. And it's about this a couple who is on their first vacation in five years and the apocalypse happens. And they're um, going to work their way up the coast of California. And one of the things this couple has like a very healthy erotic life together and they enjoy watching adult films. 
So one thing they do is they stumble upon um, a defunct adult theater and they're wrangle it up and they're watching some some films and starring in one of them is uh, Richard Pacheco and uh, a lot of other people. Um, and Lisa Centris is also mentioned in the book. There's about 40 or so adult performers mentioned. And uh, the woman, Jen, also moonlights on the side like I did doing adult reviews uh, with Robert Rimmer. And uh, one thing that I did and that Jen did was to make sure people's names were spelt right and that titty was spelt the same way every time. And you spelt Lisa Centrice, you know, with an I and not an E and you never called her Liza, you know, um, all different things like that. So I managed to work. Uh, the adult business into it. And later on in the book, I don't want to give away any Easter eggs, um, an adult film actor um, comes into the book and he's a, a very um, a very prominent character, shall we say. Wow. that's a, <clears throat> That took a lot of development of all the characters in that thing. It did. It really did. But it was fun because I got to mention my friends and uh, also at one point they're talking, the couple is talking about their trip and they're going to visit Howie and I'll call her Coralie up in uh, Northern California. And uh, so I get to work my friends in there and thanked in the acknowledgements um, are a bunch of adult film actors who became my friends. And, and one of the things, and Howie is mentioned there too, as well as Jose Duval, which uh, he was very happy before he passed to read that he's always read all of my books and he was really happy to see his name in there and so one of the things i wanted to do was to normalize adult films and the industry and that people in the business are just like anybody else but maybe a little bit braver than the rest of us because they bear everything and they they help people you know there there's no mystery to you know some people don't know what their body is supposed to look like yeah, they help and me people People in the business are just wonderful enough to just share themselves with the public. Sure. Uh, what I'm going to do is if you have um, a, uh, a profile that uh, has no photo, and I, I know a couple of regulars that are here, I'm going to put you in the waiting room because I'm not going to have... Quit yapping, quit yapping. It's I, all old news, yeah, kid. see like that. See, I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> I, could vouch for, I could vouch for A. Taylor. Yeah, um, okay, she, and I've she got and George Adam. Are, are friends of ours, and they're yeah. mentioned in the book, too. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I posted this link somewhere, and I knew as soon as I did it, I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, uh, lesson learned. So, But anyway, uh, they're just going to camp out in the waiting room and, and be there for the rest of the time. Um, so anyway, um, when you started off with Jerry Butler and Raw Talent, um, was he searching for... A book or did you put an idea into his head or where did that all come up with Jerry? I, I, it doesn't seem to me like he, it would have been his idea, but maybe it was. Well, he kept telling people, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. And Chuck Vincent was sick and tired of hearing him say it <laughs> and said, you know, write this book. And he's like, uh, he connected Jerry with uh, Bob Rimmer who liked his work. And Bob says, well, the only way I could do it is if Kathy helps me. Because I was doing like the typing and the, the editing and stuff. So uh, Bob gave him my number and my contact info. And it turned out that his mom, uh, when Jerry stayed in New York and worked in New York, his mom lived like a mile from me. So one day the doorbell rings and there he is. And, you know, I felt like I knew him because I did. You know, I, I knew his body almost as much as well as my husband's. And I really respected his work. And so there he was, you know, and he wasn't the kind of person to sit down and write. So basically he paced around my kitchen talking and I had a tape recorder going and I would ask him questions. And then when he went back to California, uh, he was with his uh, girlfriend at the time, Lisa Loring, little Wednesday. And uh, she tried to do the same thing, but, you know, all I did was hear the audio and I was typing and, you know, he'd be talking about how he loved Barbara Dare's pussy. And then all of a sudden I'd hear him going, Lisa, what's wrong? What's the matter? I love you. I'm, I'm married to you. You know, I'm not, and she'd be crying. And so it, it didn't work with, 
both of them trying to do it as although she would have told you that she helped him write the book she hindered it more than anything <laughs> well I, you know it's probably one of those things you probably have to have an awfully uh understanding spouse to be able to uh, do some of that so yeah. um if you have a question for kathy just raise your hand and we'll certainly call on you charles you have a question for uh for Kathy, here we'll get you unmuted. Here. Yeah, I wonder why that is. This I know you've written several books. Is this your latest book that you've written? And if so, could you please? I jumped. I got on a little bit late. I was watching football. Um, if you could tell us the title of the book, because I'd like to get a copy of it. Sure, it's called "Cry of Silence." Thank how and and how he is mentioned in it several times and thanked in the acknowledgments. And it's kind of a sci-fi post-apocalyptic romance. And um, the couple who is, is journeying through the landscape uh, are fans of adult films. And they uh, see an adult film in a defunct theater at, at one point. And they're, they're, they're like old friends with these beautiful bodies where these people are dealing with you know the horrors of, of radiation sickness and here are these these gorgeous bodies like you know old buddies of theirs um, so it, and it's on Amazon and you could get it ask for it at your local you know friendly neighborhood bookstore and We've got I just want one normalize I love sex. my local bookstore yes and even have if you, they don't have, have it they'll order it you know? right the other question I had was have you written a book on your kind of personal, your work or your experience in the adult industry? I never written a book. I've written a few articles. Um, okay. What's it like to be a PA? And um, I could, if you're interested, I can send you pieces about that. And Jose yeah, Duval. Um, you can connect with me through Patrick and yeah. but I'd, I'd be interested yeah. to read it because it's, you know. It's, it was very interesting work and it wasn't very <laughs> sexy. A porn set I is sometimes not. not sexy. You know? I, I, in college, the best work-study job I ever had for pay was I was a nude model for an art class. Oh, and wow. not sexy at all. And it was the women's college across the way from ours. We had like five colleges clustered together. And I thought, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. And in walks the brother of a friend of mine. And I'm thinking, everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to know. And if they knew, nobody said anything. So I was like wow. kind of happy with that. Mm. I did it, I think, two or three times. You know, my only regret is I wish that I kept a copy of like the art that they did of me. But, you know, could have, could have, should have, would have. So paid well, you know, stuff like that it paid did. well. And the adult industry More paid than, well, even being a PA. Jobs. All right. All right. Lorenzo, go ahead. Question for Kathy Brown. If for, um, Kathy Brown and, and the other writers, do you write with the intention on, let's say, that, that book, that one book, uh, hard hard copy, or maybe plan ahead for screenplay, a movie, maybe audio, or something else where, where you have another game plan in your mind? Just the book, you know, working on one thing at a time. Um, and then if someone's interested in a, a, in a screenplay, you know, that's kind of easy to do. Uh, I, one of my novels, Different Drummer, um, we, I wrote a musical based on it. And I was working with a director and we had a songwriter. You write songs and it's like a Broadway type musical, but we can't get funding. So it's always for me like a novel first or a book first and then the other stuff will flow or not. I just, I found uh, in my archives, I did have a picture that somebody drew of Charles back in the day. And uh, that's, uh, that's where it was. Uh, so Charles naked there uh, with a San Francisco hat on. So. <laughs> Oops, I got to unmute Charles. He was unmute. very thin in those days. Very thin. Like I was. Back in the day, we were, we're both thin. Than now I'm working on getting back to that. That does look like me. Yeah, Although the, there's no robe that I'm wearing, which I usually would like before the art class and whatever, I'd wear a robe and, you know, okay, it, it'll be Howie, interesting. What it, is your process? I need to tell this story about you. Um, I started reading your book three days ago. And when I woke up this morning, uh, I was on, your book is about 300 pages long. And uh, I was up to uh, 200 pages when I woke up this morning, and I wanted to finish the book before the show. Wow. 
So I started reading at 10 o'clock this morning. At 10 minutes to 5, when I always have trouble signing into these shows, so I, I, I knew I absolutely had to stop, I was on page 286. I have been on this ride for three days. It's an incredible ride. I had to tear myself a fucking away from the book to sign into the show, and I can't wait till the show is over because I have 10 more pages to read, and I kind of know how it turns out. <laughs> oh, so I've been quite cross-eyed. It's I, I, I've read other books of Kathy's, and it's like you're living in a moonstruck world. Um, it's Italian, and, the, uh, and and you have taken a radical departure here. It's stunning. It's amazing. And your integration of the porn world into it is just, I'm, I'm just, mwah, I'm having such a good time. So yeah, thank you. I was a little worried because some of my audience is sort of like little old ladies from Brooklyn. And I was worried about, you know, the porn aspect aspect. And I really wanted to say like, you know, porn people are like your next door neighbors and they probably are your next door neighbors. And, you know, like I've had Rick Savage at my Thanksgiving table and my mother-in-law didn't know who he was. She was like, oh, he's a cheesecake guy. He makes like the best cheesecakes. And I didn't want anyone to judge him based on what he did. And eventually, you know, people found out. But well, um, I just really wanted to normalize the industry and normalize sex because it's such a source of shame and it sh really shouldn't be. You are way, way ahead of the curve on this one. And it's really a pleasure to see. Uh, but it, those are critical steps in that direction, um, that people can be sexual beings and that the industry, which now has like a, what, a 50, 60-year history, um, can be something that the world relates to and the, of, of value and a contribution unto itself. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks. All right. And, uh, we got Mark here. Mark, how are we doing today? We, of course, Mark's book, uh, My we My Wife's Going to Be Gone this next weekend, so I'll be watching the Do Do Dolomite movie again. But... Uh, Anyway, uh, Mark, go ahead. Question for Kathy or anybody. Uh, Kathy, good to see you. Um, I wanted to say, first off, like you said, you're trying to normalize the adult industry and sexuality and things. So I, I appreciate your work in that field. And I appreciate all that you do um, and all that you've done within the industry as well. Uh, when it comes to the Raw Talent book, I'm curious to know if there was any kind of controversies that came out of that or any kind of like blowback from people in the industry, because that's, uh, I mean, uh, a tell-all, tell-all type of a book when you're getting so intimate with those types of details, uh, you know, within the adult industry. Uh, were there people that were saying, you know, he's an asshole, or this is bullshit, or this is fabricated, or, or anything like that? There was a lot of pushback, and I think Jerry kind of burned bridges because he, felt that this industry was like an addiction for him and, and he needed to get out and he wanted to burn bridges. And, um, and I try to, you know, like I tried to reel him in at certain points. And, you know, I said to him, like when he was talking about Lois Ayers, you know, and he said like, you know, he found monopoly game pieces inside of her and she was like an unclean birdcage. And I was like, really, Paul, come on. that's his real name. I'm sorry. And I dedicate this book to him because of all he's done for me. Um, so, you know, I say, really? You know, we, we can't say that. And he goes, who's writing this book? Did you read her pussy? No, it's my book. I get to tell it the way I want to. And a lot of people, you know, took offense. Like Jose Duval said to me, oh, he said to me, you know, you know, he said about me, I was sweaty and, and this. And he called me the flying Frenchman of fuck and, and that I sweat a lot. I said, Jose, I've been the one to hand you towels on a, on a set. You do sweat a lot. And he was like, yes, but did he have to say it? And I was like, well, he sort of did. So there was a lot of pushback. And, and even uh, Bill Margold, who had no love for me for some reason, called me a Jerry Butler groupie. And I think I was, I was a serious journalist. I was, I was not a groupie. He was a dear friend, and I loved him, and I still love him and miss him. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you tell your truth, a lot of people don't see it that same way. I think it's, uh, it's interesting that... Uh, 
after all that we've seen of Jose on natural that he was worried about sweating. Yeah, and he did sweat a lot. He really did. <laughs> the lights are hot, and we had to shut off the fans, you know, in the air conditioning because it made too much noise during a scene. So he was just, you know, it was dripping. So what kind of Monopoly pieces? Was it like the car and the hat or no? <laughs> I was afraid to ask. I really was. Oh, let's go to Claire. Claire had her hand up here. Go ahead, Claire. Unmute yourself. There, there we go. go. Uh, yeah. When you're working with someone to help them tell their story, what kind of process do you go through as a writer? Do you go chronological? Do you let them just kind of ramble and then have them extrapolate on things that seem interesting? Um, how do you approach such like, because it's a, it, the, the book covers a pretty broad, you know, it, amount of time. Like, how do you stay structured as a writer? Try to start linear uh, with, with Jerry. That's what we tried to do. But he bounced around so much and literally bounced around. He was like walking around my kitchen, eating Oreo cookies, dry humping me, you know, walking and, <laughs> and strutting around. So we just, you know, I just kind of let him roll and then tried to get him back on topic because I knew that as long as I got him to talk about things like his childhood and his teen years, you know, I could I could kind of uh, organize it in any way that that kind of felt better for the story as long as we had all of the information written down. And we did take a break. We did go chronologically and then we, we talked about actresses and then we took a break and then went into what was going on in his life off screen at that time. So, you know, it's really is just to get it down, you know, just get it down on paper or, you know, tape or whatever medium you're using. And then just, you know, you can pretty it up later. All right. Good enough. And, and Claire, you were kind of working with Herschel on, on his memoirs. I know a guy south of town here was also working with Herschel and Herschel's trying to work with Herschel and, and it just never, uh, never, never got off. So, yeah, I I've got a lot of, um, a lot of recordings that I haven't been able to really listen to yet because I'm still, you know, morning. Um, but yeah, trying to figure out what to do with all that because it's there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Beck, let's go to Beck. She has her hand raised. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I was just going to let you know, Ms. Brown, that uh, if you need a really sexy, seductive male voice, do uh, do the audio for your book. I think I know a guy that's right above you in that line. Lorenzo <laughs> has an incredible voice. He's like Barry White. Like I don't know, Barry White's love child. No, I, like Optimus Prime, like with seduction. Okay, I mean like Optimus Prime, the naughty or something. Um, yeah, and just so you know, you can you can contact me if you'd like to book him for that voice. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. I did want to now, I was supposed to, uh, Seiko was supposed to be here tonight, but uh, her chiefs are playing and so uh, we can't get in the way of that. But uh, I did want to promote her book just for a second or two that uh, she uh, sent me and then also autographed. And uh, she'll be at AVN this next weekend. So uh, stop by the Inside the Industry booth and see uh, Carl and Seika. It was so uh, nice at Exotica um, last couple of years ago that we always had breakfast together, and, and uh, you know, she and Carl would have these little arguments. It's like, oh, my God. But anyway, it was so, so funny, and, and her book is still in print and available, and uh, you can get it at Seika.com, and uh, that's just one of the books. I have a, a, a small collection of books. Uh, now, now, Kathy... Um, Raw Talent with Jerry Butler wasn't the only book you've helped an adult star, right? You've worked with Serena, too, correct? Well, Serena's book was different. It was a collection of poetry and photographs when she worked in uh, in San Francisco at the Polk Theater. And different people took the photos. Some were hers. Some were Steve Zambrano. And others were Annie Sprinkles. And she has some really beautiful pictures of Karen Summer when she worked with her. Um, so it was basically poetry about what it felt like to be on the stage looking out, you know, and where her head was at. So I worked with her 
on that. I edited her her pieces. I helped her pick pictures and and do it in a particular order. And I think that's really uh, really a beautiful beautiful book. It's called Backstage Girls, and it's kind of an an oversized uh, photo book. Yep. I don't have a copy here. I've got but it's it's I've really great. Someone. I've got to hear. And someone I think I believe on her website that she will autograph them is that true mark because you you worked with serena a little bit right yeah yes yeah that's why i wanted to bring mark in because mark mark's close and actually on your website and go ahead and pitch that uh you've got a number of serena things there yeah it's uh, it's artwork too com so i've got some of serena's artwork and some of her signed photos on there uh plus a bunch of posters and books and magazines and other adult stuff on there she, what was her book called Lon something lonely nights uh, i think it was starry nights lonely nights okay yes. all right i, I, I do remember her talking about that at uh cupcake theater a couple of years ago with uh, with everybody uh well, also, mark, i just want to say you did a great a great job with the, the dolomite book it's it's just an exhaustive history it's almost like a textbook it's amazing and you're working on a secret project right now which I can't wait to see what happens with that. Well, it, I mean, it's not so secret. We could talk about it if you want to. Um, but thank you for the comments on the the Rudy Ray Moore book. Um, I mean, it's yeah, that was 30 years of my life putting that book together. So, um, to me, writing a, someone's biography is a, a rather daunting task. Um, you know, it's it's you're you're essentially putting together what's like the last word on someone's life. So I really, really, really wanted to make sure that it was, it was correct. Um, you know, he also, uh, hold on a second. Come here, Clarence, come on. Uh, my, my dog needed to be on my lap. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he had passed away uh, about half, maybe a third through of, of my research. Um, and it was, uh, you talk about like how do you know when a book is completed and I spent all this time trying to get it to a certain point and uncovering a lot of details and I spoke with everybody who was part of his world um, you know many of them had passed on so I was lucky enough to have all this material um, and just as it just took time I'm, I, I'm kind of ADD I can't always just focus on one thing at the, at the you know consistently just one project at a time like right now, I've got. Well, you yeah. also have a day job too, right? You know, <laughs> and you know, with with that book, as it as it was progressing, and it felt like it was getting closer to being done. Um, then other things started, where like the Eddie Murphy movie with him playing Rudy Ray Moore started to, you know, come into play. And then it was like, well, you know, I can't. That's the end of the book now. I can't finish the book because something else is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, it just kind of took my time. Um, and made sure that it was as, as perfect as I could make it. And, and like you say, Kathy, it, it's, it is like a textbook. Um, you know, I wanted it to really have a lot of context and historic value. Um, so I, I wanted it to be much larger than Rudy. Um, you know, he comes from a, an era and a, and a, a specific sub niche of comedy and, and R&B music that it took a lot of additional research to make sure that it was known about what was going on at these times when he was there. Uh, obviously, I wasn't alive in 1955 when he was recording, you know, his first vocal tracks. So it, so you know, I would spend hours just trying to do research to write two sentences, uh, you know, just to make sure that it, the context was correct. Um, and I really don't want to feel like I'm wasting words. I do, I do tend to read books and magazine articles and such that feel like they're just kind of being fleshed out. Um, and I really wanted it to be you know, concise and to the point. Um, and, and luckily, it's been very well received. Um, I was able to get it into like Harvard Library and Yale Library and other African mm -hmm. uh, you know, research libraries, because I think it, it was of that level. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I mean, I, like no, I said, it was definitely now, two to two. You were yeah. wildly successful at setting the historical context of the whole movement of black people in film uh, and his specific contributions. And it clearly was something way beyond what you needed to do just to do a biography of this person. 
um, it's it's a huge book, and it belongs in um, you know high class libraries. And I, I'm really proud of the work you've done there. Well, thank you. I mean, I I thought his story was so unique that it deserved you know that level of, of respect and, and attention. Um, and you know that's that's an area uh, of black culture that I think, especially like white audiences, don't truly un know or understand. Um, they've just seen his movies and listened to his albums, and they think that that's the end of what he is. And there, there was so much more to it. Um, now I'm actually working on Gloria Leonard's biography. Um, it's another slow project because I'm not the quickest of uh, of, of writers. Uh, it's very. It's, hard. The, it's the depth you go into that doesn't happen fast. That's that's not but, quick stuff. If you're not doing journalism, you're doing analysis of the times and the and the evolution of the culture and the yeah. styles and where they fit that's a lot of work <laughs> right and also gloria is no longer with us so you can't interview her uh you're you're although she had an exhaustive amount of material and in interviews and i know you're you're working with her daughter robin and she's a dear friend of mine and i've even sat down with her and, and interviewed her to get stuff out and it's it's very difficult stuff that robin went through and and the gloria went through there they did not have easy lives but i think it's really important that gloria's story is told and i i know you're going to tell it right and i've read you know some of the chapters yeah. you are telling it right it's uh, there there's a lot to it of course you know thankfully um there were some uh potential book projects that she was kind of working on in the 80s and such. So there was a lot of material that she was able to provide, um, you know, that she had from when she was alive that, that Robin handed down to me. Um, you know, I was, of course, you know, I, I if I'm not going to, if it's not going to be an authorized biography, I'm not interested in doing it. You know, so the Rudy one was authorized. This one is authorized. And to be honest with you, it'd probably be the last book I ever write because it's such a, a stress. Yeah. Uh, on myself it's uh, a lot out of you it really you know, does very, like i i haven't done anymore yeah yeah it's very hard to get in a headspace where you're you can just like uh, you know focus and go you go down that rabbit hole and have that time to to keep moving on through it um but i think uh you know i'll i'm, I'm confident in my my methods and, and my work uh, so it's just a matter of finding the time and, and the the uh availability to to put it all together you know ultimately it's i i think that when the you gather material to do something like this the story will actually present itself to you and since i've started working on it and then uh, you know uh, building that relationship with with gloria's daughter robin and and you know and her daughter as well there's there's an interesting path that the book is going to actually follow that on the surface I, you wouldn't have seen, you know, when you, when I was first starting to write it. Um, you know, and you get into those areas where too, where, you know, I, like one of the things that I really want to stress in, in the book is, is how, how much she fought for free speech and how, how much she fought for the industry. And then when her time in the industry was over, she felt like she was discarded completely from it, you know, and, and I don't think that that's actually anything that's, that's specific just to the adult industry, although myself not having been in it, I can imagine that because you put yourself out there so emotionally and, and just completely open that there's that feeling of, of just, just utter discard. But it, I, to me, it's kind of no different than when a ball player retires. They're out of that industry now, you know, and so you also have the area when you start to look at like the club 90 women and the, the, the wonderful dynamic that they all had. And, and it, it's just, a, hopefully it doesn't take me 30 years. I don't plan on it taking me 30, <laughs> but uh, Howie, your book is incredible as well. Your, your book is, it's more cerebral, a lot more cerebral than raw talent. And, and you had the fantastic, the fascinating thing is you had a wife and three children when you were doing this, you had an open relationship and uh, it, it's just, I, I found, I found, I was fascinated and I was also really mad at you too. I know, I know. And I told you this and I told your wife that. Yeah. You know, anything had better than, only thing better than reading Howie's book is listening to him read it. So I, 
<laughs> the book on tape. Well, um, 30 years seems to be the magic number uh, tonight. I, that's how long it took me to finish hindsight. Um, I was a junior in high school when I decided I wanted to be a writer. So I applied to the Northwestern uh, School of Journalism, Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern for a summer program. And I walked into the first day of class. A teacher went up to the blackboard and he wrote, a writer writes. Then he turned around and left the classroom. <laughs> oh, uh, I started keeping a diary that day. That was in 1965. Uh, right now, I am up to the 203rd volume of my diaries. And all along the way, no matter what I've been doing, it all went into the diaries. And I thought when I had my first offer to audition for an X-rated movie, that'll make a hell of a story. I had no intention of wanting to be in the industry. I just wanted to write the story, an adventure into every man's fantasy. And that's where it started. I wrote that article after I did the audition. And the weird part was is they called me up and offered me a part. And that began a whole career. So um, hindsight was edited by my wife. And uh, boy, oh boy, you want a can of worms? Have your extracurricular sex life edited by your wife. <laughs> ah! um, you know, she's a professional therapist, and we needed that. Because a lot of it was like we were, uh, while I respected her opinions as an editor, they would cross over the line into her opinions as a wife. Because at the beginning, well, actually, it was my wife who first had extra marital experiences. She was trained by Masters and Johnson, and she was a surrogate partner in a therapy situation where she would go and have sex with the patient, um, and then they would go back into therapy with a male and female therapist and talk about the experience. And it was amazing. I mean, she'd be having sex with guys who had never, ever been able to sustain an erection inside a woman and have an orgasm. I mean, this was the work of, like, reminded me of the Romans or the, the Vestal Virgins. It was a, they, these were prostitutes, but they were spiritually valued by the culture. Um, and this was a great thing she was doing. And at the same time, it's still like me going in the morning when she's going off to work with one of these guys. Have a nice day at work, dear. You know, because it stretches you to be able to let go of your love to go be with somebody else, even with all this other stuff. And um, I turned it around and, and and paraded a whole bunch of women in return. So there was a lot of struggle in telling the story and how it fit into our lives. And that's what the book is really about, that relationship. And all the point stuff is extra. Um, and indeed... The, the amazing part about being in that industry and being an actor in general, it is very dangerous territory for men and women to go and play pretend I love you, especially in a mainstream movie when you're going to do that for six months at a time in some of these movies. And that's why Hollywood marriages are so fucking fragile because you can't, you don't just pretend when that's on, when you're on screen, you got to, you fall in love. You fall in lust. And uh, if, in porn, you're like, well, it's just two, one day. Maybe at the longest, it's three weeks. And those are, those are the ones I had the hardest time with because I really fell in love. Um, and then you got to come home and go, oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> one time, uh, Shauna Grant, who was the younger, she and I had a fling during making of the movie together. And then she was young. And so... When the movie's over, she wanted to keep it going. And my wife's going, no, 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 no. And she needed to come over and see my house and my new baby. I had a baby. And while the two women were there in my house, I had two faces that were trying to get on my face at the same time. They were different faces. The one I looked at my wife with was not the one I looked at her with. And I was in that moment trying to be both of them at the same time, which could take you a little crazy there. Hello there. <laughs> um, I'm joking, because what else can you do? But you, you go through these moments and you, you learn. So we survived that. 
Um, and I wrote and about also it. Your, your son, Bobby, used your, your career. Uh, he had a wonderful comedy routine about, you know, being the son of a porn actor. Well, it wasn't and, all comedy, but that there I was know. funny parts to it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the uh, fatherly advice of, uh, what is it, grab your dick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was what I taught him. You know, when I got really, uh, when I was growing up and it would get crazy, I used to just grab my dick and that would calm me down. Uh, so I taught it to my son. <laughs> Let's bring in James real quick and have James ask a question. He had his hand up for a little bit. Do you grab your dick, James? Uh, eventually, sometimes. Yeah. When it, need, when it needs to be grabbed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, to talk to Mark um, about the Dolomite uh, book um, and just give him my little story. Talk about 30 years again. This happened about 30 years ago, about the one time that I met Dolomite. At the uh, at the King Biscuit Blues Festival in Helena, Arkansas, um, I was volunteering there because I was working at a radio station at the time, at the local radio station, and um, I got to volunteer there. And I and he was just hanging around backstage, and um, I met, walked up to him, and you know, one of the most soft-spoken people I've ever spoken to, I've ever met, um, one of the nicest guys, and I just wanted to. Tell you my little story, my you know about the Dolomite, me meeting uh, Rudy Ray Moore like that, and uh, he, he always did leave an impression on everybody. That he very met. much so. Yeah, he was he was what he was very nice, and uh, so that's that story. And Kathy, I wanted to ask you, um, I know you more from your screenplays. Um, is it harder to write uh, the the uh, the the books as opposed to screenplays? It is harder to write the books. I mean, screenplays, basically, you're just writing dialogue. And the standard porn screenplay that I did for Vivid and PT, it was probably about 25 pages of just mostly dialogue, a little description. Because if you put in too much, they would accuse you of trying to direct. So, uh, but whereas a book, you know, you have to, you have to make the character believable. You have to put in descriptions. You have to put in dialogue. And you leave a lot up to the performers in the adult scripts that I wrote. And I was lucky that I had really great performers like, you know, um, Ashlyn Gear and Randy Spears and people who could really act. And, and it was wonderful. And I wrote a series for Christy Canyon and Jennifer Stewart. And so it was really fun writing for them. But I, I found it pretty easy to write the adult scripts. Which one was, was your yeah? Which one was your favorite of out of all the scripts that you wrote? I think maybe the Passages series, and then there is also something called New Lovers, which is very a little known, but it, that was the one with Ashlyn and Randy, and it was basically um, taking a night that my husband and I had and our dialogue of not being able to commit and and not wanting to commit and have a relationship and putting it into a script. So I sat there with him a few months later and watched it with him. And he was just looked at me like, wait a minute. Wait, I said that. What do you think? So it was, that was kind of fun and very right, so personal. That was, so that was more personal. And, it, and that's, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Kat. All right. Good enough. Now, Lisa Centrese is with us and Lisa is going to be working on a book. And we want to get your aspect of, of how you're starting out and how you're going to be bubbling to the top on this whole thing. So basically, there was a bunch of things that were being done at once. And I think the most time consuming was my boyfriend research, researching all the interviews and magazine stories and gossip column stories that I forgot about. That took 18 months. While he was doing that, I was writing just random thoughts down. Because my book's not only about porn, it's about Hollywood, it's about my family's mob connections. And how I overcame all of that, right? So um, I've just been right now. So we did, he did research. He made binders of all my magazines, my movies, interviews, my life timeline. And we had over, he created over 300 pages of content from all those interviews. And then I went in and filled in the, the parts about my early life, my teen years, you know, how I got in the industry with Dominique, who was my sister-in-law. I mean, it was a little, you know, interesting. So now we're at the po point of trying to decide what the chapters are going to be and what's going to make the chapters. 
And I'm new at this. I'm, I'm a numbers girl. I'm an accountant. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I mean, so I'm just rolling with it. Well, that's, that's why I wanted to bring do. you in. You go with it like that. Yeah. Just do what feels right. And I know your story is fascinating. And you have the whole Hollywood connection, too. You are, was it Star Trek Next Generation? Yeah. Voyager. So, yes. Like, it's you just have an amazing story like no one Thank else's. You. And and I think just approach it pragmatically like an accountant would, you know. So I have a question that I wanted to ask you about, because I didn't know you wrote Jerry Bolton's book. That was all news. So when it came to, like, the sex scenes, were they, did you describe them explicitly, or did you feel like that would be too much? Because, you know, do you have to find that happy medium or no? Because my book's going to be called The Fuck List. Oh, I love that title. I, we really, he didn't go into that much about the actual in and out of a sex okay, scene. Okay, but he okay. would describe an actress, like, he, he described somebody like, uh, Barbara Dare is like, oh, you know, her pussy looked like it belonged on a beach in Brooklyn. And you knew, like, okay, she was dark complected. She, You know, you, you could picture what it looked like. But he didn't really go into, you know, a lot of the mechanics okay. of sex, a lot of the okay. psychology of what it felt like being on a set, you know. Right. Yeah, that's that's the more interesting part, right, is what's going through yeah. your head while you're yeah. on there doing that. Well, you know, also you're going to find, I assume, how long were you in the, how many years did you buy the Not trade? even two, 18 months. And all I did was nine movies, Howie. All right. Well, that's at least, uh, how, I don't know how many sex scenes that is, but I found that to do every sex scene I was in would be, uh, you know, too many. So yeah. you go back through and you relive the ones where you have something to say about that sex right. scene. Right. No, well, that makes sense. You know, and, and that's those, and then you, then you. Um, I'm sorry, the right where you edit, you know, you go, you have, you get feedback on it, the ones you really like, give me more for this, give me less of that, and uh, you decide on what you're comfortable with and what you want to share. There's yeah. some, some shit, like, I tried my best not to go into the negative uh, at all. I mean, I right, have plenty right, of, right. plenty of fuck you experiences in my career. Some of them were important, and those are the ones I included. But right. basically, if I had, I didn't solve every issue with that I have with somebody in my book. I just let go okay. of a lot of that stuff. Okay. Uh, so you and make your choices. Don't edit while you write. Also, excuse me? Don't don't edit while you write. No, just, I no, no, yeah, I don't. Just I write just it let, all. I just yeah. Write just everything. Get it out. Yeah. Every single thing. Edit later. Just get it all out there. Yep. Because half of writing is editing. You know, so just get, and your story's like, but yeah, I think you'd have to go into detail of, of you Certain in things. Times Square and the army stuff. Like that yeah. was so incredible. I remember you from that. And I was yeah. like, that was, you know. <laughs> My mother called me up and said, you know, you have the balls to do things people just want to do. That, and my Extra father said you used to in, Square in, the, in an army uniform, right? <laughs> You were you had enlisted. Well, you have to wait for the book, but it's just fascinating. Yeah. Yep. That's why that I want to make fun. sure Lisa was Lisa was a part of this because she's on that cusp of the next step, and and I wanted to uh, if you guys had any uh, do this or don't do that tips for her. Now would be the time to to clear. Yeah, that up. <laughs> and I'll, I'll listen. I'll take all I can get. Sure. Let's bring in Adam uh, for a question. Adam, go ahead. Okay, my mic is sounding good this evening. Uh, good. Uh, am I okay? No, it's really, really tinny and vibrating. Uh, I'll come back in a second. All right, not a problem. Anyway, uh, let's uh, see what uh, Sean. Uh, are you going to ask a question? No, no, no. Uh, let's go to Eric. Uh, see about uh, what Eric's up to today. Eric, go ahead. Oh, not too much today. Just right there about books and reading right down there. Because I don't, I don't know. Uh, I've never read talk, read raw talent for Kathy right down here. But I did hear even Bill said he kind of told the truth about everything Jerry Butler did. When he released it back then, even though a lot of people pretty much hated it right there and even put it down as much as they could. But I guess it was able to be a good, I don't know, maybe not say a bestseller, but I guess a good seller in a way to where people did buy and read it a lot. Is that right? I think it was one of the first, and he really got a lot of uh, coverage on the talk shows. And his wife, Lisa Loring, went on with him uh, to a lot of the shows, and she was a draw because 
she was little Wednesday on the Adams family. And it was, it was very controversial, I think. And it was one of the first written by a man, you know, yeah. and a lot of people thought Jerry Butler, he's such a screw up. How did he ever write a book? You know, but <laughs> he had you. People. <laughs> well, I did have some books here that I've gotten over the years. Uh, Ron Jeremy's book. Um, he autographed it to me at one point in time. Uh, told me it was $50 on eBay. I don't know where I got that. My wife gave this to me for Valentine's Day. Uh, $50 on eBay to pat, enjoy, and keep it up. This is more of a kind of a more of a photo album and kind of a journal that uh, Ron had. And and uh, like him or hate him, I, I did read the book and uh, enjoyed the, the people he'd met over the years. Uh, a nice book was uh, uh, Kay Taylor Parker had a book come out called Sacred Don't Touch. And that was a nice book. I did a YouTube video for James Bartholet called Patrick Presents, where I talked about authors, and I had a couple of authors talk about their books. One was Christy Canyon and uh, Lights, Camera, Sex, and she and um, Victoria Paris worked on their books together, and uh, Victoria kind of dropped out of it, and then, of course, she later passed away. Christy went forward and put this out. It's no longer in print, and she says, I'm not going to get any more books. She's busy with other stuff, and she said, she may someday write part two, but she said, not at this time because she's just too busy. But uh, uh, she says, Pat, our hot night together will be in book two. So, you know, there's always hope. For there's always hope. Um, one book I really enjoyed was uh, Sarah Palin's book called The Life. And um, she's got a real tough chapter. Chapter 13 talks about being bullied in the industry. And I remember over Twitter, she was just getting raked over the coals by another gal, and just the cruel, uh, cruel things this gal was saying about Lisa, and that is in book number one, and then, of course, uh, I ended up buying uh, book number two, so she's got book number two. I haven't read book number two yet. Uh, I'll probably read it before Exotica, because she's going to be at all the Exoticas this year, but um, that was, uh, if it was anything like her first book, uh, this will be good. Wait a minute, uh, you, you said Sarah Palin? Yeah, she plays Sarah Palin. In, oh, uh, she played Sarah Palin. Uh, and oh, who's okay. Nalen Palin. Yeah. Okay. And uh, <laughs> then, of course, someone says, well, how come you didn't uh, interview uh, Georgina Spelvin? I thought, well, I was uh, a... <laughs> uh, Claire and I went to Georgina Spelvin's house, and and uh, after yelling at her, and she couldn't really hear all that well, and I wasn't going to talk really much about yeah. her book. Claire, you got her book autographed, didn't you? I did, yeah. It's... It's somewhere in my office, which is a disaster. But yeah, she's she's mentally all there, very alert. You know, can remember everything, but she just can't hear well enough, I think, to do something like this. The book is excellent. The book she wrote is excellent. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to point out, Lucky Star has two books out, and uh, she was busy this weekend. She couldn't uh, come this weekend. So anyway, but uh, Lucky Star's got two nice books out. As well, let's go back to Adam and get uh, him unmuted. And a question for from Adam. Okay, is this better? You betcha. Okay, uh, Linux. Uh, anyway, Kathy, got a quick question for you. You were talking about uh, passages and uh, for the uh, Christie Canyon community, such as it is. Um, that's one of uh, a very popular series uh, in her past. And uh, were there any specific? Uh, inspirations or what led you to write that series of screenplays well i had been working with pt with paul thomas and um he wanted a project for uh jennifer stewart and christy and he wanted it to take place in college so it started out in college and so i just wrote it as as a one-off and then people liked it so much that they they just um, they wanted more. So it ended up having four four parts to it. And I loved writing for Christy. And I, I got to meet her um, with Rick Savage when she was dancing in Queens in New York. And she was so great. And she kind of played my alter ego in several movies. Uh, there was something called Windjammer, which I wrote about a three-way, which which uh was really fun for her to uh, take part in. It was is partly biographical, but uh, this wild night and and it was just she's so cuddly and sweet and funny. She's hilarious, 
And, and I remember at the time, I will never forget seeing her put on her makeup before a dance gig. She curled up into the sink in, in, the, um, in the hotel and was putting on her makeup and talking to us during the interview. It was like one of these big, but I was like, oh my God, she's, she's just so agile and, and she's just so wonderful. And I wrote actually an article about her called Me and My Shadow. Because, like, she did, she was kind of my alter ego, like I said. Well, her humor, I think, for me, is very dry. And I, I've been following her career, well, for a long time, of course. But um, I've really been following it, uh, her career, especially during her time first on uh, Playboy Radio and then on Vivid Radio. And that's where that really got to shine, I think. But this is not the Christy Canyon Show. Uh, quick question for Lisa. Uh, I'm not familiar with your story. Um, I guess as a teaser for the book that you're working on for the podcast listeners out there, uh, how, what would be your initial summary of at least what you're beginning to work on? When you say, so my story was, I'm going to make a long story short. I was in the army when I got into the adult business, I was, or into the adult film industry. And I was supposed to deploy in November and I started shooting in October. And then I decided I didn't want to go in the army. I mean, I was 18 years old, right? And I went and I asked my recruiter, I said, look, I did these adult films and I don't want to go to the army. And he's like, well, you got to go to the army. You signed a contract. Just don't disrespect the army. So Richard Milner came up with me doing the strip tease. He called a press conference to the army recruiting station in New York Times Square, Manhattan, November 7th, 1981. And that's what I did. I stripped out of the top part of a rented army uniform and it was in the daily news. Google it. You'll see. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, November 17th, but um, it got me out. You know, I did the Tom Snyder show and the army said, look, we'll give you a general that turns honorable. Just shut up. So that's what I did. And I got out. Yeah, there was a similar story um, with a uh, young woman who posed for Playboy in the 2000s. And right. Yes. She was given an also she was given an honorable discharge because apparently they really had to. Uh, find a weight management charge or something is what they got her on. It was bizarre. It was a bizarre story, but, but Patrick, thank you for your patience. And, and, oh, no, and, it's, my, you. and it's my honor to be on your show. Uh, Pat is short for patience. I always point that out. I did find my copy of backstage girls. So I got that from Serena a number of years ago. So I really appreciate that from her, but uh, now let's open it up. Anybody have a question for our authors? Just raise your hand physically or else just, Click that little icon that raises your hand. I did talk to, let's see, Roxanne, did you have a question for uh, Richard? Let me unmute you here. There you go. Um, hi, Richard. Uh, I was just watching your uh, your film, uh, your documentary uh, this evening, and I, I wanted to know uh, when you were younger how you lived through all that stigma, like trying to get a normal life, uh, getting getting back into mainstream society oh i never had a normal life um when i was four years old my grandma died and she had been taking care of my mother's younger brother who was mentally retarded and he came to live with us so at first it was like i had an older brother another older brother i really we were two of us and and uh then we were like the same age for a while. And then I was his older brother. And he was batshit crazy. <laughs> and he was the center of our family life. Behind closed doors, he would just make life fun. And uh, I can't begin to tell all the stories, but we were, um, there weren't any families. They have to read your other book, Howie. They have to yeah. read the Squirrel Hill. I wrote a book called Return to Squirrel Hill about that neighborhood and what it was like growing up in the house with him. But it made us different. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes it was, when we go out in the world, it was, we couldn't really take him out in the world very often. But at home, it was a lot of fun. But it gave me, I never felt normal. There was no normal. Um, and my whole um, ride in the X-rated world, the short version is I was very fat as a child. 
and ashamed of my body. And the girls didn't want anything to do with me. I grew from the ages of about 7 to 17. I was just a fat kid. And at the age of 17, I lost 50 pounds. And I went from being Quasimodo to Robert Redford. Oh, okay, that's fun. Now all of a sudden the girls are trying to get to me. And porn was like, sure. <laughs> I was so flattered that anybody would want to take a picture of me. And my, I made, I, my body was something like I made in metal shop. Uh, it had nothing to do with me because I'm always being the fat kid. That, that doesn't never go away. That's who I was. And not only that, I'm a fat kid with a batshit crazy uncle. <laughs> so uh, it's all been a lark. Um, and I live in Berkeley, which is where the craziness is a way of life here. Um, I'm not alone. There's a lot of strange people running around Berkeley. It's one of the places where people congregate. Um, so normal is not bothered me. It's nothing I've strived for. Just I want to learn how to drive a car and get a driver's license and uh, have children. And I, I have a normal side, but I wouldn't describe me as normal. <laughs> All right. Good enough. Well, I appreciate everybody stopping by again. Uh, thanks to Kathy for kind of uh, bringing this to light and, and thinking that we should have an author's night. It's been very, very good to have everybody here. Richard, of course. And uh, Mark, great to have you here. It's always a pleasure to have you here. And of course, Lisa Centrice being here as well. And uh, uh, not to mention... I stayed uh, up, Patrick. I know you stayed up late. I want to read your book, Lisa. I want to see it. I want to read it. You do. I want to see the hair on your balls. You will, believe me. <laughs> believe me. So anyway, I don't have a guest for next week. I had two and they fell through. And so... I'll pull something out of my ass. I always do. Anyway, we'll have, we'll be back next week. Don't forget to uh, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. I need to get about another 300 people so we can uh, make some magic happen. And I'll post that link as well. Don't forget, it's uh, www.jizztalking.com. And uh, on the website, I've got hats for sale. So anyway, buy a hat. Uh, it'll help Danny Black. He's the one who makes all the hats. So. I'm going to go finish this book right now. All right. Uh, one question. When does Lisa see her book coming out? Did Lisa leave? Lisa left. Yeah. She went to bed. Anyway, well, we'll to go to just, sleep. just have to continue that another day. Anyway, but uh, it should be coming out sometimes, uh, sometime down the road, I guess. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I have a hunch you can't rush these things. That's No. At, at least a couple of years, I'm thinking. You know, I th I think she's going to have a really wonderful final product and, and it just has to, you know, come out organically. Yeah, percolate out. So, okay, well, we will see everybody next week. Thank you for stopping by.